Book of Acts. Now, our, the, the second chapter. Our services the last several Friday nights have been different. And um, I believe good. Profitable. Do you think so? I think we should continue in this vein for ever how long the Lord says. We, we as a church need to develop in some things uh, that we have not developed in. And when something's new to you, uh, it, you just have to stay with it. How many remember some things that when you first started was very uncomfortable to you? Maybe driving a car when you first started, you, you know, parallel parking. <laughs> Keeping it in your lane and you couldn't see the line and... You know, you, it just takes a while to get the perspective and, and get the feel of something. Uh, I know when we first started flying, man, it just, you know, things felt funny. And But you drive long enough, you fly long enough, you scuba dive long enough, it begins to feel like second nature. Right? Something that previously was totally foreign to you. Nothing felt right. Nothing felt comfortable. Everything seemed, you know, playing an instrument. You know, you try to learn how to play a, a keyboard, piano, or a guitar, and you try to put your fingers on those, those strings, it doesn't feel right. And you do it for a little while and your fingers are sore. They hurt. It feels wrong. <laughs> When you try to press them and, and, and then you realize you gotta, i got to hold all those strings at the same time. And it just doesn't feel right. But you do it long enough, your hand will just lay there naturally. Because you have trained it to do it. Well, we're to train ourselves, not just in natural things, but in spiritual things. Aren't we? And there's some areas that we should develop in pertaining to ministering to the Lord. In Acts, the second chapter, Acts 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Uh, Reckon there's anybody that didn't come to the meeting that night? (laughs) Well, people's, you know, always been people you think the ones that showed up were glad they came that night it pays to be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting there appeared to them cloven tongues like it's of of fire and it sat upon each of them And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now this was not an isolated instance. You see people getting filled with the Spirit and speaking with tongues again and again and again in the book of Acts. And we know from other scriptures that the 
People in the churches that letters were written to, the epistles we call them, were also tongue talkers. Hmm? How many know the Corinthians were tongue talkers? Paul was a tongue talker. Peter was a tongue talker. Right? And yet some people think it's strange that we're tongue talkers. And yet indications are that the people that the Bible is talking to in the New Testament beyond the book of Acts are for the most part tongue talkers. But see, tradition has made the word of God of no effect. And people, you know, because they haven't experienced this, they knock it, they explain it away. But you know, only those who've had the experience are qualified to say anything. Right? He goes on to talk about the promise is unto all. As many as the Lord our God shall call. In the uh, 38th verse, Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And we all still believe that, don't we? Huh? Why wouldn't we believe the rest of the verse? And... (laughs) And, somebody say and, and and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For what? For this promise is unto you and unto your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Nothing about it passing away. Right? Go over to the 17th verse, please. Without taking time to, well, I should take a little more time. Go to verse uh, 7. They were all amazed and marveled. They said one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? How hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, Dwellers of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, uh, parts of Libya, Cyrene, strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. Now, is he talking about different languages? All of those. Yes, he is. These people from all these different countries, they all spoke different languages, and they're hearing these people talk in these languages. And they know they don't know these languages. I said I was talking with some brothers a couple of weeks ago in some of the meetings we've had out of state. And one of them was telling me about some meetings they had had in Africa. And how just thousands of people get filled with the Holy Ghost at once. Speak in tongues. He said, that, he said the you know, the lame walking and and the blind seeing is, is amazing. He said, but he didn't know what that's uh, even more amazing phenomenon. He said, you just never the same. After see, he said, no instruction. <laughs> just begin to sweep through the crowd, and thousands of people just erupt, speaking in in tongues, and being filled with the glory of God. And he said, he heard a, a lady. Uh, let me let me see if I can tell it right. Uh, speaking 
in English. Perfect English. And he knew she was from a local village. And he knew she didn't speak a word of English. <laughs> but she's speaking perfect English. He said with a specific regional accent. And it just amazed him. And uh, it, it, caught him, it caught him, surprised him. So he, he heard this person. I said, what was she saying? He said, she was just praising God. Just giving glory to God and praising God. And then she stopped and he asked her a question in English and she didn't have a clue what he was saying. And he just wanted to make sure that she, he, he knew she didn't, but here she's speaking English. And so he he looks at her again, and he said something else in English, and she just looked at him with a baffled look. And, and then he had, through the interpreter, he said, well, let's pray in tongues again. So they began praying. Sure enough, English. English. They had another person uh, speaking fluent uh, Swedish. And they were from Sweden. And they knew another French. So these things are still happening. And if it's Bible, that's how it should be. We're going to see in a little bit further, though, that this is for a specific reason. The, the Scripture says it's a sign. That kind of tongue is a sign. There's more than one kind of tongue. The Bible talks about different kinds of tongues, doesn't it? We studied for weeks and weeks a while back on the gifts of the Spirit. But here in this 17th verse, what does it say? It shall come to pass. He, he's saying all these different languages and these people hearing these languages in their own tongue and seeing these people get filled with the Spirit and acting like they were drunk. He said, verse 16, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. He said, this is a fulfillment of prophecy from Joel. It shall come to pass, this is a quote from the prophecy, in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Somebody say, upon all flesh. This is a very significant part. Upon what? Somebody said, that may not sound too amazing to you, but to those people Joel was talking to, this is radical. Because everybody in Joel's day knew that only a very, very few people had the Spirit of God come on them. The priest could have the Spirit of God come on him at times. The uh, prophet could have the Spirit of God come on him on occasion. The king could have the Spirit of God come on him on occasion. A deliverer God might raise up, like Samson or somebody, and the Spirit of God come on them. But the millions of the regular folks, no. But here, what's the, what's the Holy Spirit saying? Come on, read it again. Upon all, 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 all flesh. Glory to God. And what, what will happen? Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Now, you know, a while back when we camped out on the gifts of the Spirit, you can see them right here, can't you? 
tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning the spirits, right? These are ways the Holy Spirit manifests himself. And he's saying it's not just going to happen with a couple or two or three here or there on all flesh. Now, sons and daughters implies you don't have to walk with God for 60 years to have something happen. Even the young folks. Right? Even the young ones. Verse 18, and on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit. How many understand we're in those days? Those days began here. In Acts 2. And they are continuing. And they will continue until he comes. You know some people. Of course only people who don't speak in tongues. Will grab a verse here or there. And say well the Bible said tongues will cease. It also said knowledge will vanish and pass away. In the same passage. Why do you pick one and leave the other see. Well it's because people that haven't experienced this. Uh, Don't water down the Bible to match your lack of experience. Believe God to elevate your experience to match the Bible. I was a believer for years, thoroughly born again. If I'd have died, I'd have gone to be with the Lord, who did not speak with tongues for years. Didn't mean I didn't know the Lord. Didn't mean I didn't love the Lord. Didn't mean I wasn't saved. Had the Spirit in me. Oh, but there's a filling of the Spirit. Glory to God. And an endowment of power upon. And so now for many years since. I've been a believer who speaks with tongues. And I can say from experience. Having been a believer who doesn't speak with tongues. And having now been a believer who does speak with tongues. I'm qualified. To say. With is better. Much. Much. Glory to God. <laughs> I will pour out of in those days of my spirit. And what? They shall prophesy. That's the second time he's mentioned prophesy. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 14, please. 1 Corinthians 14. The Spirit of God coming upon, speaking in tongues, and prophesying. First Corinthians 14. Now some have said, well, now that prophesying, that means preaching. Well, preaching can have prophecy in it but that statement on its own is not true just because somebody gets up and preaches doesn't mean they're prophesying and so people again try to explain things away for lack of experience but in 1 Corinthians 14 we have a lot of of detail given about prophecy and what it is and how it is to work and operate And that's what I want us to get into tonight. Are you interested in this at all? We should be. In uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 
and verse 1. Follow after charity or love and desire spiritual gifts, but rather what? Out of all the manifestations and gifts of the Spirit, he said particularly that you may prophesy. Who's he talking to? Is he just talking to the ministry gifts in the church at Corinth? Just the prophets and apostles and and pastors. No, he's talking to the whole church at Corinth. And since it's inspired, he's talking to all of us. Right? Should all of us desire to prophesy? Now, as soon as you say that, a lot of folks turn off. They go, oh, no. No. And they've heard horror stories and they've seen... People mess up with so-called prophecy and prophesying meetings. And a lot of people don't even know what prophecy is. Many people equate prophecy with foretelling. And there can be a foretelling in prophecy. But to say that all prophesying is foretelling is wrong. Just like to say... All prophecy is preaching. No, that's just wrong. That's not enough understanding of what it is. Prophecy, one of the best definitions I've come across, and I believe you'll see it as we, we go through, prophecy is inspired utterance. And since speaking in tongues is also inspired utterance, you need to qualify by saying it's inspired utterance in a known tongue. The tongue you know. The, your tongue. Prophecy is inspired utterance. Now he defines uh, prophecy further right here in this next couple of verses. He said, desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. For he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. For no man understands him, howbeit in the spirit he speaks mysteries. When you're speaking in an unknown tongue, who do you say you're speaking to? God. But, verse 3, he that prophesies speaks unto men. To edification and exhortation and comfort. He didn't say foretelling. Right? Although we know prophets prophesy and there can be foretelling, yet all these things are prophecy. Read it again. Edification. What is that? Building up. Building up. And exhortation. One definition of exhortation is calling. Calling on. (laughs) Calling you up to a higher place encouraging and calling come on but it's not just a man or woman hollering come on it's inspiration it's an anointed utterance come on up come on out and what else comfort consolation peaceful comforting reassuring you can begin to see why he says why he talks so much about prophecy How many people, don't raise your hand, but how many people need to be built up? Huh? How many people need to be called up 
and encouraged. How many people need to be comforted and consoled? What does all that? Prophecy. Prophecy. But And yet, we need major mind renewal about what even prophecy is because you just say the word prophecy in a lot of camps and you lost them. They're like, oh, that's that flaky stuff. Better watch what you call flaky. Remember where we're reading. Right? Keep reading. He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. But he that prophesies edifies the church. He begins to distinct, and you'll see this come up again and again, what you do for yourself and what you do publicly for others. They need instruction in this. You got to remember what these people came in on. The, we, we know, we just got through reading in Acts 2, what they came in on, right? But then other people that got born again right after that, don't you know they heard about that? We know these guys are tongue talkers, and yet they're Corinthians. And so we know, we're not to assume they were there on the day of Pentecost, and yet Pentecost found them too. And they found this too. But they came in on this speaking of tongues where everybody heard all these languages like we were talking a few minutes ago about that African woman speaking perfect English and another African woman speaking perfect uh, Swedish and French and they had not a clue what they were saying. We're not talking about 2,000 years ago. We're talking about last year. Right? Right? Well, they came in on this, and like anything that God does, people can go to one extreme or the other with it, out of ignorance. And he's having to write to them by the Spirit of God now, and as you can see if you've read this chapter already, give them instruction, because they've got a lot of tongues that's out of order. And he's having to instruct them about how to do it and what to do. And he's also instructing them about prophecy. And the thing to keep straight is edify myself, edify the church. Say it out loud. Edify myself, edify the church. Say it again. Edify myself, edify the church. Now you're going to hear say this again and again. And if we need to just take some extra time and teach on this tonight, we will. But we're not just talking about to teach on it. We're talking about it to act on it. And not just tonight, but in days and weeks and months to come. How many think anything that they had in this day, in these days of the church, we should have? And even more. Church should be growing and developing. We shouldn't have less of the Spirit of God than they. We shouldn't have weaker and less move of the Spirit than they. So you can get in the ditch on either side of the road. You can get off in fleshy stuff or you can be so afraid of missing it that you do nothing. Right? We don't want to be in either ditch. We want to be in the middle of the road. 
Rightly divided truth. Keep reading. How will we get that rightly divided? Keep our nose in this book. Bring everything right back to this book. Check everything with the book. So there is the self-edification. He that speaks in a tongue edifies himself. People say, what, what good is there in all that jabbering, all that talking in tongues? Now again, be careful what you make fun of. This is the Bible. The Bible said when you pray in other tongues, you build up yourself. You edify. You build up yourself. But he that prophesies edifies the church. I would that you all spake with tongues. Everybody read that out loud. I would that you all spake with tongues. Say it again. I would that you all spoke with tongues in the next 50 years till it all passes away. No, all. Is the Spirit of God speaking through Paul? Is he telling all of us? Would that you all spoke with tongues. But rather that you prophesied. Well, then that has to come back to all too. Can everybody... Speak in tongues. That was a little weak. Can everybody speak in tongues? One of the signs that is to follow believers in Mark 16, right? These signs will follow them to believe. They will speak with new tongues. The folks say, well, that just means they quit cussing and they just clean up their act. I'm sorry, but no. You have to interpret Bible phrases with other Bible phrases. And when it talks about speaking in tongues in other places, it's talking about speaking in a tongue you never learned. You don't know. It's a supernatural thing, not a natural thing. Just stay with us. Just just stay read read the whole thing. Don't don't believe a word I say unless you see it right in here. But don't knock down what I say while you're looking at a verse. Um, I would that you all spoke with tongues, but rather that you prophesied. For greater is he that prophesies than he that speaks with tongues except. Don't forget that. Because people try to say, well, prophecy is more important than tongues. And tongues, we just got prophecy now, and that's better anyway. No, no. Except he interpret. That the church may receive edifying. Speaking with tongues with interpretation is equal to prophecy. Speaking in tongues in a congregation of people with no interpretation is not as good as a prophecy everybody can understand. Y'all believing with me for revelation out of this chapter tonight? It's coming right now. Uh, I would that you all speak with tongues, but rather that who? That you all would prophesy. Can all speak with tongues? Can all speak with tongues? Tell me again. True, can all speak with tongues? You know all don't. Not all do. But can all speak with tongues? Not everybody's saved. But could they all be saved? Yeah. 
can all prophesy. Yes. Yes. Uh, Brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, verse 6, what shall I profit you except I shall speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine? Even things without life giving sound, whether pipe or harp, whether they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what's piped or harped? If the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who will prepare himself to the battle? So likewise you, except you utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? For you shall speak unto the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, none of them is without signification. Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaks a barbarian. He that speaks shall be a barbarian unto me. Even so, ye, forasmuch as you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. He said, y'all are big on gifts of the Spirit. That's great. But you need to focus on what benefits the whole church. And friend, you can see where people get off. They're just having their own spiritual experience in front of the church, around other people. That's what these guys were doing. They came in on Acts 2-4. They know God moved and people spoke in tongues that they didn't learn and people understood it. And so they get together. And they want the Spirit of God to move, like Acts 2-4. That's fresh in everybody's mind. It only happened not too long ago. Right? They know he blew in there like a rushing mighty wind. They know cloven tongues like as a fire appeared. What do you think they want to see every service? They want to hear wind. They want to see fire. And they want tongues. So... They spoke in tongues without interpretation. Speaking in tongues, speaking in tongues, trying to duplicate what happened in Acts 2-4. Oh, can you see that? So there was spiritual activity. And I would imagine they had some wild services. But they needed some correction. And they needed some direction. Because so much of what they were doing, though it was spiritual, it wasn't directed by the Holy Spirit. And a lot of it might have been okay at home in their bedroom. Trying to build their self up. Speaking mysteries to God. But they're not at the house. So people pop up and speak in tongues. They want to speak in tongues for 15 minutes and no interpretation and want everybody to be excited about it. And apparently if you read the whole chapter, they had four or five talking at once. So it was like a three-ring circus. You can't decide which one to watch. You got this going over here, you got that going over there, you got that going over there, but man, they got stuff happening. I said, they got stuff happening, but (laughs) it's not directed of the Holy Spirit. 
It's spiritual. But it's not directed of the Holy Spirit. Can you keep reading? Verse 12, even so you, for as much as you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. Wherefore, let him that speaks in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. Does he expect that they're going to keep speaking in tongues? Yeah. Does he tell them to quit? No. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays. But my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with the understanding also. We're to do both. Else when you shall bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupies the room of the unlearned say amen at your giving of thanks, seeing he understands not what you say? For you verily give thanks well, but the other is not edified. Now, friend, what we're seeing here, uh, go back to uh, the first verse of chapter 14. What's the very first phrase? Follow after love. What, what came before that first verse of chapter 14? The entire chapter 13, right? Love, 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 love. How many understand God is love? Well, the Spirit of God would have to be then... The spirit of love. God being love. And can you see this? It keeps coming up. He's saying, don't just jump up and try to have a spiritual epiphany. Be thinking about what all you're hollering and carrying on is doing for the person next to you. And for the person around about you. Now, if you're home and you want to run the aisle, you, you want to run, jump on the bed, and you want to scream in tongues for 40 minutes, well, that's your house. Right? And if you want to pray in tongues top of your voice and you don't know what you're saying, it doesn't matter. You can build yourself up. But when we're in church, when we're in service, there is to be a structure, there is to be an order of the Holy Spirit, and it's to be benefiting everybody. And that's why prophecy is preferable in the public assembly. Why? Because the people can understand it. They can hear it and be edified and be exhorted and be comforted. Am I wasting your time tonight? Do you think we got some things to learn about this? And it's not enough for us to just make good notes on this tonight and go, hmm, that was good. That answers some questions. That's great. I'm going to file that in my spiritual gifts folder. No, we need to understand and we need to act. I said we need to act. We need to be a talking in tongues. And we need to be interpreting tongues. And we need to be a prophesying. This is how it was in the beginning days of the church. Right? And it was not supposed to change and get deader and drier 
and more intellectual and less spiritual. That is not an improvement. Is it? <laughs> well, we're having fun tonight, aren't we? He said, verse 17, Verily you give thanks well, but the other is not edified. I read after one commentator. I'm sure he didn't speak in tongues. Because he wrote and said, in studying Paul's comments on this subject, it's obvious to me that he had quite a dim view of tongues. You reckon he didn't read this verse right here? This 18th verse. Right? What did Paul himself say? I thank my God. I speak. Who, who, who speaks with tongues? Paul. I speak with tongues quite a lot. On occasion. Hmm? Rarely. Because you know it's passing away. No, these are men's ideas. Men who don't speak in tongues. Who've rejected it out of hand. What did Paul say? I thank my God. I thank my... How many of you don't thank God for something you have a dim view of? You don't think much of. I thank... What it, come on, can you see Paul? I thank my God. I do what? He's thanking God for what? I speak with tongues. Now get this phrase. More than you all. And he's having to write them. To correct them about speaking in tongues. Right? Because they're talking in tongues when they shouldn't be talking in tongues. They're talking in tongues all the time. They're just trying to have talking in tongues services. They're talking three and four and five and ten at a time, yelling in tongues, hollering in tongues, talking in tongues, trying to recreate Acts 2-4. And Paul says, I think he said it for the benefit of all these folks that are confused today. Don't you get the wrong idea, Corinthians? I myself am a tongue talker. In fact, I talk in tongues more than all of y'all. Then, brother, he must have got up in the morning talking in tongues. He must have talked in tongues in between brushing his teeth. He must have talked in tongues while he tied his shoes. He must have talked in tongues at breakfast. He must have talked in tongues at lunch. If he talked in tongues more than all of them, he was talking in tongues a lot. Yet, in the church, can you see this just keeps coming up again, doesn't it? What you do at home, what you do in the church, what you do privately, what you do publicly. Not the same thing. Not the same thing. Because at home, it's just us. We're thinking about edifying us, building up us. But in church, you're not the only one there. Right? In the church, I had rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. 
Why? Because people can understand it. How many understand if he spoke 10,000 words in an unknown tongue and he did it by faith and you know he'd do it right? He would be edified. He'd get built up himself, but he'd be having his own little experience in the middle of everybody. And that's not love. It's not love to play a tambourine in somebody's ear and they're not getting anything out of the service, but you're not even, you're oblivious to it because you're enjoying yourself. It's not love to wear a hat so big that three people behind you cannot even see. (laughs) But all you know is you're having a good time. And you like your hat. (laughs) We live in a world, have you noticed? We live in a world where large portions of the uh, population are oblivious. To everybody around them. They are living in, you know, if it's Tom or or Susie or Bob, they're living in uh, Susie's world. The way they act, the whole world is here for me. And everything, they, you know, get out of my way. I got stuff to do today. Well, so do they. Get out of my way. I'm going somewhere. So are they. I got to get to church and and hear from God. I got to get my needs met. So do they. And you can tell we're growing up when we begin to be more and more aware of people all around about us and how our words are affecting them, how our actions are affecting them, right? See, little babies, they'll scream at the top of their lungs at 3 in the morning. And they are not at all aware that it bothered you out of a deep sleep. They are completely unaware of that and don't want to know. All they care about is I'm unhappy, I'm uncomfortable. Stop the world. Everybody come fix it. Why? Because without meaning to, they're self-centered. They want to act like the world revolves around them, and they try to act that way. And it's sad that parents are not teaching their children that the world doesn't revolve around them. And the way they're rearing them, they're leaving the impression, I mean, you got, they're plenty old enough to understand, but mom and daddy and the whole family revolves around them. And when it's time for them to go to school, time for them to do something else, they're shocked. They're shocked. Because when they scream, the world's supposed to stop like it does at the house. How was that little guy? He was going in first grade. He was a good example of this. And I guess at his house, he had kind of ruled the house. And this is his first days to school. And he came back, and oh, he was distraught. And uh, his mama said, baby, what's wrong? What'd you you day didn't go Okay. He said, they tweeted us like slaves. <laughs> they probably just treated him like a student. <laughs> they tweeted us like slaves. He thought everything's supposed to revolve around him there like it did at the house. And hello, it didn't. 
Hallelujah. <laughs> we are to come together thinking and praying and believing, not just for ourselves, but that needs will be met in the church service. Not just me. You know, we, we've been having good success on the road with some miracle meetings. Outstanding things happen. But one of the things we're doing, I'm not praying for people uh, individually. I'm not laying hands on them individually. I'm saying, let's all, we're, we're, of course, we teach and preach and, and get faith stirred up. And then I say, let's all stand up and believe God for miracles in our midst. Amen. Not just for you. There's all kind of needs here tonight. Let's just believe God. Let's just believe God for miracles. And you know, if you're not dealing with the symptoms in your body, it's a little easier to believe. You understand what I'm saying? And we should benefit from corporate faith. And we are seeing outstanding things happen just like popcorn. But then what happens? How many know, you know, we're, we're reading about it. When Job prayed for his friends, as you're going to see, the Lord turned his captivity. While he was believing for somebody else, his need got met. It's the law of love. Faith works by love. And can you see if it really is a move of the Spirit, he's the Spirit of love. It's not going to be this selfish, just I'm into my spiritual experience thing. And I don't care if I flail my hands and knock people out. I don't care, you know, if I'm obnoxious and I'm so loud that nobody else around me can hear and understand. How many understand? That's not the Holy Ghost. That's just like these people yelling in tongues at the top of their voice. Right? And all the commotion and tumult. It's spiritual. But it's not the Holy Spirit. Not led by Him. Let's keep going. He said, Brethren, be not children in understanding, howbeit in malice be ye children, but in understanding be men, be mature. Do we need some understanding about the gifts of the Spirit? How they're to operate? Are we supposed to just come and have a free-for-all and just a great big mass of stuff going on? Are we supposed to have some understanding? We are. Now again, you can go to the other side. There are people so afraid that something might happen out of order that they have nothing happen year after year. Nothing. That's wrong too. Which one is more wrong? I don't know. One's probably as wrong as the other. We don't want either one. He said tongues, verse 22, are for a sign not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. See, that's what they didn't know. They thought you could just talk in tongues and people would hear it and understand it in their language. And, and they could just initiate a sign. Like it happened in Acts 2-4 on the day of Pentecost. That's all fresh in all their minds. He said, no, he said, that's for a sign to unbelievers. But something he keeps bringing up, but prophesying serves not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. Are we believers? What should we have a lot of? And yet, people in our groups have a lot of tongues. And we should have a lot of tongues like Paul, 
But if he said in the church, I'd rather speak just a few words with my understanding than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue, and I speak in tongues more than you all, where must he have done most of his speaking in tongues? From what he said, it had to be at home or in private or on the road, right? So we need more speaking in tongues at the house. We need a lot of it. How many think we'd get more out of life if we had less TV and more tongues? <laughs> you know it's true. But in the church, what do we need more of? Prophecy. We need more prophecy. Because that edifies the people. He said, verse 23, if the whole church come together in one place and all are speaking with tongues and there comes in somebody unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that you're mad? Does the Lord care how we come across to the uninitiated, to the outside world? Is it okay for us to roll our eyes in the back of our head and scream in tongues and people just spaz out and go, man, they're crazy. And we go, wow, we're peculiar people. Is that okay? It's not okay. He's saying, y'all all come together and you're just screaming in tongues and there's no interpretation and there's no direction and nobody's getting edified. He said, people will say you're crazy. It's not okay. And there's no need in you, you know, talking loud in tongues besides your co-workers at work that don't believe in it. Why would you do that? To show off? To try to be different? Try to stand out. See, this can be wrong. Love edifies. Hmm? Knowledge puffs up, the Bible said. But love builds up. Love edifies. For the most part, most of the time, they ought to think you're a pretty regular guy. Oh, I I lost some people on that. (laughs) Most people that meet you at work and in the workplace and in the grocery store, for the most part, their impression of you ought to be a stable, solid Nice person. Easy to be around. Easy to get along. Not some wild, crazy person. I'm going to need to camp on that just a little bit more, don't I? (laughs) Because there are different camps that just want to work people into a frenzy. And go into McDonald's and jump up on the table and scream in tongues for 15 minutes. And then say, now God will give you the interpretation. And leave. This kind of stuff is happening. It's not okay. And then you hear this, I had to do it. The Holy Ghost came on me, and when he comes on me, I've got to do it. I mean, I I couldn't stop if I wanted to. 
not true. That's not my opinion. That's the next verses we're about to read. He said, won't they say you're mad? Uh, One translation says raving and out of your mind. (laughs) That's not a good witness. I was there raving out of your mind. Is not a good witness. The Bible talks about in Timothy, we're to have a good rapport and a good report with them that are without. People are, they might not agree. They might know that the things we believe that they don't agree, but they should enjoy being around us. We're nice people. We're people of love. We're people that'll pay the bill at lunch. Oh, come on now, surely. I said, we'll pick up the tab. Everybody likes to be around tab picker-uppers. Right? We'll fill your car up with gas. Oh, that was weak. That was weak. That was weak. You know how much it takes to fill up? I know exactly how much it takes to fill up a tank of gas. You ought to fill up an airplane. Seven fifty a gallon last week. But is God bigger than nine ninety five a gallon? If you got enough money and resources, it wouldn't matter if it was forty dollars a gallon. If you got enough resources, you're gonna be okay. But if you get to poor mouthing and looking at the clouds, you in trouble. Do not join in with the world. What are we going to do? What in the world? This thing's coming apart. Man, it's going down. How can we live? How can, These words should not come out of your mouth, my brother, sister. This is unbelief. This is like unsaved people talk. You ought to treat it like cuss words. Friend, the more stuff is pressing, the more vital it is you talk faith. Your survival depends on it. You better be saying, no matter what happens, my God shall supply all of my needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Whatever we need, we will have. And more besides. Please. Do you and your family a favor and quit talking like the world and begin to talk like believers. Of course, prophesying would help. Hmm? Can we all speak in tongues? Can we all prophesy? Will it do you any good? When you prophesy, what kind of effect does it have? Edifying. Building up. Calling up, exhorting, encouraging, comforting. What if you looked at something and it gave you sticker shock and it scared you? Time to prophesy. (laughs) And get comforted. Get back encouraged. Get back built up. What if something hit you, a big bill hit you, and you just felt weak in the knees? You need strength. You need to be built up. You need to be edified. You better not talk all that unbelieving junk you hear on the news. You better get to prophesying. I'm not talking about telling the future. 
I'm talking about what the Bible is talking about. Keep reading. Verse 24, but if all prophesy and they come in one that believes not or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all. Thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. So falling down on his face, he'll worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. How many know this is valuable? How could it do all this to somebody even that's unlearned or unbeliever? They're understanding every word you're saying. But you're not talking off the top of your head. It's coming out of your spirit. So there's life in it. And there's strength in it. And yes, from here we see there can be revelation in it. They're seeing things. And what they're seeing is not how spiritual you are. They're seeing that God is really there. God is really in our midst. God is really in our life. It's not just a fairy tale. It's not just a bunch of religious junk. He really is there. How valuable is this? Unlearned and unbelievers are going, God's real. He's real. And what caused it to happen? Prophesying. But now, don't assume you know what that means. We need a lot of mind renewal. Again, prophesying is not just foretelling. It's not prediction. Not just prediction or telling the future. Let's keep reading. He said, how is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you has a psalm, has a doctrine, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. He's not so much encouraging them to come with something. He said, you are coming. And everybody's wanting to give out something. He said, it needs to be done, whatever is done, so that the whole body is built up. And benefited, not just so you have your 10 minutes of fame, not just so you're in the spotlight, you get to do your thing. Well, I was praying and I saw something in the Word today. Well, all of us should have been praying and seen something in the Word today. <laughs> Are y'all with me tonight? Well, man, I got to praising God. I got to praising God. Woo, I felt the anointing. Woo, I felt the anointing. So I got to get up. That should be able to be echoed by a thousand other people. Right? So why should you get up? <laughs> revelation tonight. We're getting revelation. And yet, God can use different ones. Doesn't always have to be the same one. We want to be open. Keep reading. Let all things be done unto edifying. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at the most by three, instead of ten, fifteen, twenty at a time, and that by course, one at a time, and let one interpret. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Now, get this. He's got something. 
Oh, can you see this? He's got something. But by the time the service is over, let me ask you a question. Did he give it out? No. And that's okay. I said, that's okay. Because a whole lot of things are more for you than they are the whole congregation. But immature babies don't know that. They just so so amazed and excited that they felt some anointing. And they'll assume that nobody else has ever had an experience like this. And so you should give me the whole two hours. But a lot of times that just ain't the case. Other people may have experienced far beyond where you are. Practicing in private makes you proficient in public. I know for years the Lord has allowed me to sing songs publicly. We did it with Brother Hagin for two decades. And in our own ministry. And you know, allowed us to record them and other people sing them. I was hearing somebody in another country the other day singing one of those choruses the Lord gave me. Thrills my heart, blesses me. But I did not set out to do that. I didn't have five people come and prophesy that you'll be a great psalmist one day and you'll have a psalmist ministry and a psalmist and a psalmist and a psalmist and a woo-wee. I've had numerous times people bring their children to me, little ones, and they got their hand on them. They go, oh, Brother Keith, Brother Keith, Sister so-and-so prophesied over my baby. Brother so-and-so prophesied over my baby. They'll have a greater ministry than the Apostle Paul. They'll have a stronger anointing for this than so-and-so and so-and-so. And I am so concerned for that child while they are talking. They want me to jump up and down and lay hands on them too and say glory to God, but I'm concerned. So why? You can have the most amazing call on your life and never do anything. A call is just that. A call. It is nothing accomplished and done. A call is not a ministry. And just because you got a call on your life does not mean you're qualified to stand in it. Or operate it, do it at all. You have to pass tests. And one of the biggest tests you got to pass is the humility test. And I know from what they're telling me, they ain't got a clue about it. If they did, they wouldn't even say these things in front of the child. That child would be cutting grass and washing clothes and ironing and taking care of the laundry and the dishes. Did you hear me? And when they talked spiritual things, they'd say, yeah, is your homework done? Oh, I got four people with me. I know what I'm talking about, guys. I've had some amazing spiritual experiences myself. I've been caught up. I've had visions. I've heard things. I've seen things. And I'm telling you, the natural side is so important. I don't care what kind of spiritual experience you've got. If you don't have some natural discipline, if you don't have some mind control, if you don't have some faithfulness 
some integrity in your word. Some good old-fashioned grit. You're not going to make it in ministry. I don't care what kind of call. I don't care who prophesied over you. I don't care what kind of vision you had. It's not enough. Y'all with me tonight? So, So what should I do? You should do what the Bible tells you to do. Jesus had some amazing prophecies over him when he was very young. Didn't he? And if anybody could have got excited about it (laughs) and could have said, this is going to be the most amazing ministry the world has ever seen because it was. (laughs) It could have been Mary and Joseph. Instead, what did she do? She didn't write all the prophets. I said she didn't write all the prophets and prophetesses. She didn't carry Jesus along and drag him to every meeting. And have everybody and their brother and sister lay hands on him. Friend, there's a lot of people you don't want laying hands on your child. I don't care who they are. What'd she do? Come on, anybody read the Bible lately? What'd she do? She pondered it. In her heart. That sounds like being quiet about it to me. Instead of talking it. Letting it simmer. And just watching it. Praying about it privately. Believing God about it. Right? There's some things even if you know about your kids. You don't need to tell them until the right time. They need to learn the basics. They're not going to be a good man of God and they're not even a good kid. They need to learn how to be a good student in school. Be a good worker. Right? They need to learn these basic things. How many understand Jesus learned how to be a carpenter? How many think he was a good one? How many think he showed up for work when he was supposed to? And he did a good job? Well, if anybody would have had a right to skip out because they've got an amazing call on their life, and skip school and not go to work. It would have been him. But real men and women of God. Are a lot more natural. Than people think. I've been around in my estimation. Some of the most spiritual people on the planet. I've, not, not, not all of them. I'm, uh, two or three of them. handful of them. And I'm telling you. They're interested in how to slice a tomato the right way. They're interested in things being clean and neat. They're interested in natural things. Natural things. And they're big on it. It's got to be right. People are confused. They think they're an exception to everything. And my child is so special, they're an exception to everything. They don't have to do what other people do. And they don't realize if there is a call on their life, you're ruining it. If they've got no discipline, if they've got no stick to they're not going to make it. I don't care what kind of calls on their life. I didn't intend to say all that, but we did. Amen. And it's true. Yes, sir. 
It is true. A lot of things that are spiritual, you don't have to talk them. What Mary do? She knew it. She saw things coming. But some things are holy. They're not to be talked about and bannered around and waved like a flag under everybody's nose. My child's a prophet. My child's a prophet. My child's an apostle. My child's an apostle. Friend, reminds me of the pear tree. Once upon a time, there was a pear tree out in the forest. But it was wintertime. And no leaves. And he said, I'm a pear tree. And the other cedars and the other pines says, you're a little scrub bush. I'm a pear tree. I have the most luscious pears. The most amazing pears. I'm a pear tree. I'm famous. They've they've written articles about me. They said, oh, shut up, you little scrub bush. Horse is liable to step on you and knock you down. You're a little scrub bush. You're nothing. Now that pear tree can holler and clamor and call for respect. And you've you've got to respect my office. You've got to acknowledge my gift. No, they don't. Nobody does. You've got to respect my gift. No, we don't. Nobody does. Jesus' gift wasn't even acknowledged and respected in his own hometown. No, people don't have to acknowledge your gift. And he can yell, I'm a pear tree all winter long until he's hoarse. Or, or, just wait. And if things are right. And he really is a pear tree and got a pear tree call on his life. And if you'll keep his feet in the ground. Keep his roots going down. And keep reaching up for glory. And keep spreading out and growing and developing little at a time, little at a time, little at a time. Steady but sure. Wins the race. There'll come a time. And there will be great, big, luscious, juicy, wonderful tasting, smelling, amazing pears. And everybody that comes by will see and know this is a pear tree. You won't have to put a sign up and say pear tree. You won't have to put no neon lines, lights, or or flashing arrows going pear tree here, pear tree. No, no, no. You'll know them by their fruits. Don't try to convince people of what you are. Be what you are. Not just talk. Fruit. Prove it. And if it's there over a period of time, it'll it'll begin to be obvious. People will see it. People will know it. You think you see something? A lot of times you should just ponder it in your heart. Keep reading this. Can we finish this up? Praise the Lord. Yes, this is just as much for the people watching by internet as those who are in the room. Yes. Keep reading. If there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church. Let him speak to himself and to God. Are there times when you legitimately get something, but you should just keep it to yourself? I talked about songs. I started just singing to the Lord in our little mobile home 
in Mississippi on my little uh, genuine imitation leather couch with the red shag carpet. <laughs> little, I'm not talking about modular home. I'm talking about trailer. <laughs> There's a difference. There's some nice modular homes around. This is an older trailer. And, uh, but I could sing to the Lord in that trailer. Sing to the Lord in the nighttime. And I began to sing songs that I hadn't heard. I'd just sing out of my heart. And I didn't know it then, but the Lord was leading me and teaching me to prophesy. Yes, sir. Hold your place here. Go to Revelation. Revelation 19. Here's to me one of the best definitions of prophecy that you will ever, ever find. Don't get carried away with prophet so-and-so's definition of prophecy or apostle so-and-so's definition. Come back to the Bible. What does the Bible say it is? Because there is a lot of goofy stuff around. And not everything that people call prophecy is Bible prophecy, is right. You understand, every time I say the word, even in this room, prophecy, people's minds are like, me? Prophesying? Sounds funny. Sounds strange. But it's because we haven't been taught what it is. And people only think of prophet, and this word prophetic is just abused nowadays. Everything is prophetic. Prophetic, 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 prophetic cookies. Prophetic everything. (laughs) Let me say something, and, and this is very important to discern and know. Just because you prophesy, it doesn't make you a prophet. How could it be if he says, you may all prophesy. And then he says, are all prophets? And the answer is obviously no. So it's not just the ministry of a prophet. Did you find Revelation 19? 10? He said, I fell at his feet to worship him, this angel. And the angel said to me, see, you do it not. How many know we do not worship angels? Ever. We never worship an angel. Okay, what kind of vision or appearance you might have. See that you do it not. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Say that out loud a couple of times. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Two more times. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. One more time. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Is the spirit of prophecy. Do you know that what people have called testimony has at times actually been prophecy? Common among Pentecostal churches some years ago, particularly, 
to have testimony services. And uh, somebody would come up and lead. And then somebody in the congregation stand up and testify. And somebody else would testify. And somebody else would testify. And sometimes they weren't prophecy. <laughs> like one lady said, oh, I just want to testify. The devil's been after me all week. Bless his holy name. We know what she meant, but, and people just go on for 10 minutes talking about how bad it is and how hard it is, and y'all pray for me. That's not the testimony of Jesus. That's the testimony of how hard it is. Right? So that's not the spirit of prophecy. And yet, there were also prophecies. So-and-so would stand up, sister so-and-so, brother so-and-so would stand up, and everybody was glad when they stood up. Because they'd lift up their hand and go, I just want to thank Jesus. He's been so good to me. And they'd begin to, right out of their heart, nothing rehearsed, nothing prepared, nothing memorized. This is very important now. Nothing rehearsed, nothing memorized, right out of their heart. Just begin to praise Jesus and give testimony to his glorious deliverance and his faithfulness. And as they did, you could tell there was an anointing on it. There was an anointing on it. And as particularly if it was a good strong anointing, it went out over the whole crowd. People would get encouraged. Oh, you know, Deacon so-and-so go, yeah, glory to God. Sister so-and-so go, amen. And people begin to respond. Why? They are experiencing edification, exhortation, and comfort. Why? She's prophesying. And yet we called it testifying. Oh, can you see this? Now, a lot of people have gotten a ditch today. There, there are a bunch of folk that are big on prophecy. But the only thing they know about it is stand still and let me prophesy to you. They, thus saith the Lord, you're supposed to do this by the Chevy, not to Ford. Yea, thus saith the Lord, wear the red tie, not the blue one. Yea, thus saith the Lord, you're supposed to go and you're supposed to do this. And what they're trying to do is step over into the ministry of the prophet, and they're not one. And people are missing it in these areas. And yet all of us could be prophesying, but not telling each other what to do. And what clothes to wear and who to marry? What car to buy? Are y'all with me tonight or not? Some folks like this. Some folks not so much. Don't take my word for it. I know there's been a lot of stuff. How many remember 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Despise not prophesying. Why would you have to tell people that? Because they have seen so much goofy junk that it gets to where when somebody pops up and goes, Thus saith the Lord, they go, Oh, no, not again, not again. Oh, dear me. <laughs> like one, You know, it's popular for people to get together in their homes and other places and prophesy to each other. Very popular nowadays. Very popular. And people are so many times more interested 
in displaying my spirituality than they are in the edification and sometimes trying to step into an office that they're not called to. This one group was having a prophesying meeting. A brother of mine was telling me one time. He said uh, they were kind of waiting for some of the people to get there, and they hadn't got there yet. And, and one of the guys jumped up and said, Yea, thus saith the Lord, they're not coming. <laughs> Sat down, and as he was sitting down, they heard the gravel. And it was their car. He popped back up and said, Yea, thus saith the Lord. They changed their mind. <laughs> They'll be pulling up any time. This one group, this is in a, a capital city of a certain state. They were having a meeting. I know one of the guys that was there. And um, this fellow, they asked him to say a word, and he thought that was his lifetime opportunity. And he just jumps up and starts prophesying to everybody and is just missing it right and left and won't quit. He told one guy, he said, the Lord shows me. You're high up in the uh, city. High up in the city. He, he said, oh, I'm, I'm a garbage man. <laughs> he turned to another guy. And the Lord shows me that you have a great, you'll have a great ministry of singing. Great ministry of singing. He said, brother, my wife don't even like to hear me sing in the shower. She <laughs> tells me to be quiet. And he just kept on and just missing it, missing it, missing it, missing it. And finally he said, thus saith the Lord, Vern, Vern. God's got a word for you. Vern. Vern. And he went on and went on and went on until everybody was just, oh, Lord, you know, just, Vern. And they said, well, finally, one of the guys that was on the platform, they knew he didn't even believe in this. He stood up and said, yea, thus saith the Lord, Vern's not here. <laughs> Sit down. Well, that's why, even in these days, people came to despise prophesying. But what does the Lord say? Don't despise it, because even though people have missed it, it could be Him this time. Right? And you just throw out the baby with the bathwater, you could miss it big time. But what, what we do is we judge it. All Prophecy should be judged. Somebody wants to prophesy? Okay. But we're sitting there going, is this God or not? Well, no, you have to accept it. No, we don't. We're supposed to judge it. And when you get through, you can look at us and we'll go. Or we might go. You got to judge my prophecy. We're told to. We're supposed to. And you don't need to get bent out of shape if we don't accept it. Amen. You don't accept my prophecy. I'll curse you. I'll call for Oh, so now you're a witch. <laughs> uh, and that, some of these people can run just that hot and cold. <laughs> no, listen. The 14th chapter that we didn't finish reading... Verse 30, 14:30. He said, "If any, let, verse 29, let the prophet speak two or three, and let the other judge. If anything be revealed to another that sits by, let the first hold his peace. We're to be aware of everybody around us, aren't we? 
and the Spirit of God moving through somebody else. How many know you don't know it all? You don't have it all. You're not the only one around that can hear from God or can see something or can get something. He said for you, verse 31, get this now. This is the Bible. If you hadn't got it underlined, underlined it. Read it out loud to me. For you may all prophesy. Who can prophesy? Who? Does that mean you? And the person sitting beside you. And the person behind you. And the person in front of you. Every one of us in here, everybody in every church, everywhere that will receive the Spirit and believe in the things of the Spirit and yield to the Spirit, you may all prophesy one by one that all may learn, that all may be comforted. Here's this love coming back up again. And the spirits of the prophets are what? When people say, I had to do it. I had to give it out. I, I had to do that. I had to say that. No, no. It was your choice. 32 in the Living Bible says, the Living Bible, verse 32, remember that a person who has a message from God has the power to stop himself or wait his turn. These people that say, well, I had to do it. God made me do it. No, no, I'm sorry. God's not a demon. He's not possessing people and controlling them and making them do stuff. It's always up to us whether we yield or whether we don't. Verse 32, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. How many know when the Spirit of God really is moving? Even if, even if 14 people were involved, it's smooth, it works together, it flows, it's comfortable, everybody's benefited. Right? When it's just this hodgepodge and nothing fits and it's dead or it's uncomfortable and it just goes from bad to worse. Well, that's just people getting in the flesh. And don't judge. I mean, I've missed it. Anybody that stepped out much has probably made mistakes. Not probably, has made mistakes. And, uh, you know, if you say, well, oh, I, I wouldn't step out because I, I, I might make a mistake. You're making a big one. Right there. One of the biggest you could ever make. Uh, you have to be. But, but the thing is, you just got to be willing to learn. And if you're corrected, just smile and receive it. Amen. And go, well, thank you for helping me out with that. <laughs> you go, well, and you know, we don't have to be mean if somebody has learned some things. No need to be mean and rough with folks. Just go, you know, uh, that first part, uh, that sounded like the Lord. But that last three-fourths, I think that was just you. And you need to go, yeah, but the first quarter was God. Woo, glory to God. And we'll cut that last part off. <laughs> now that you said it, I knew something wasn't right when I was saying it, but I couldn't figure out quite what I couldn't put my finger on it. Well, now you know. You learn. You grow. Uh, prophesying. And these things have a whole lot of us in it. A whole lot of us. And we're learning. And we're growing. In that little trailer house, no audience, no uh, uh, 48-track machine recording, just me and the red shag carpet. And I'd praise the Lord. And I'd sing a song that I hadn't heard anybody else sing. Now, it was not smooth. 
and it didn't always rhyme, and it wasn't always good musically, and some of them I never sang again. <laughs> that was just my special song to the Lord. <laughs> it really didn't work, and it wasn't fit for public <laughs> consumption, but if I hadn't had those, I wouldn't have developed. Any matter what I'm talking about. But sometimes people think, well, yeah, but you got the, you got the ministry of a psalmist. Well, you got to watch about that kind of thing and throwing words around. You may all, all prophesy. You can just out of your heart begin to speak and begin to extol God. It can't be something that you've memorized. It can't be something out of your head. It's got to be something unrehearsed, something spontaneous out of your spirit. Well, what am I going to say? You don't know. You just start out by faith. Right? Stand up on your feet, everybody. Singers, players, where are y'all? Come right on. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise you, Lord. 